Hi, you're listening to Create English on Ripollet Radio. My name's Gabor. I'm the host of the program. And today, as always, we're going to work on language learning tips. And we're going to just discover, uh, you know, more things about the English language. This is the October edition in 2023. And today we're going to talk about three things, basically. The first one is about clarity, speech clarity. So we want to discuss a little bit how to improve your speech clarity. And I'm going to use an example, which is a very common one. And I'm going to illustrate it through those examples. The next thing is going to be a student success story. So I'm going to tell you the story of a student who managed to solve a problem about learning English and about English. And so it's going to be nice because um, I think a lot of people can relate to that. It's about confidence, building confidence and speaking confidence. And so there's a story there. And, um, and the third one is going to be about presentations. So no matter what presentation you do, when you speak to people in front of a, an audience, there are certain things that uh, you know I've seen people do in a way which is not effective. And I'm going to give you some tips on that as well. And remember, as always, at createenglish.com slash podcast, looking for today's episode, you will find the links to whatever I talk about today. And if you need uh, the direct link, you will find it in the description of this program. Uh, okay, so let's get started. All right, so we're going to talk about can and can't. And the reason is because we're really going to talk about speech rhythm. And the reason I'm using can and can't is because a lot of people, you know, have difficulties. They're not sure when they hear can or can't. So it's, this is a frequent question, but it's a great one to illustrate the importance of speech rhythm and how it works. Now, the first point I'd like to say is that the difference between can and can't is obviously this t, yeah, which represents the negative form. However, if you want to hear the difference between can and can't, it's just not always easy and sometimes actually not even possible because it's not audible. But the main point here is that it is important to know the difference because they have opposite meanings, of course. One is affirmative, the other one is negative. But instead of focusing on the T, there's something else to do which will help you to identify and hear and say the difference clearly. How can you know if someone is saying can or can't? And how can you make sure that you say it the right way? So my tip here is very simple. Pay attention to the rhythm pattern more than the presence or absence of T. Let's discover how this works and let me explain why. We're going to use two simple examples here. I can swim and I can't swim. So these are opposites. And of course, as we can see, the difference between the two is the T in the second one. So the negative form can't, right? But in fluent speech, how can you know if you hear one or the other one? Now, stop worrying about the T for a moment. It's not always clear to hear. And for now, let's focus on the rhythm. And to do this, we're going to use two short words or 
not even words, they're just like, you know, sound representations. We're going to use di and da. Di is pronounced shorter and da is going to be longer and louder. So the difference between di and da is volume and length. Now, let's replace the phrases with di and da. For I can swim, I'm going to use di di da. Di di da. And for I can swim, I'm going to use di da da. Di da da. Now, why am I doing this? Because di is lower in volume and da is louder in volume and is longer, I'm going to use this pattern and say the phrase following this pattern. So, for I can swim, I'm going to say di di da. I can swim. Now, of course, all this is relative, so don't expect a very long da. No, it's a bit longer than di. It's just one feature. The other feature is that da is louder. Listen. Di di da. I can swim. I can swim. In other words, the accent falls on da. There's more emphasis there. Now let's see the second one, the negative one. Di da da. Di da da. I can't swim. Right? So, in the affirmative, swim is louder than I and can. I can swim. I can swim. And can and I are shorter. Di di da. I can swim. In the negative form, can't and swim are louder and a bit longer than I. That's di da da. I can't swim. Now, this creates a different rhythm. Di di da is different from di da da. And the only difference between the two is the second word. In the first one, the affirmative can is di. So it's not really can, it's just can. And this is the thing that a lot of students don't hear or don't use. They try to overemphasize can. And they say, I can swim. Which is confusing. Native speakers don't emphasize can in the affirmative, usually. They do, and you should also, in the answer. For example, there's a question, can you swim? The answer is, yes, I can. Now there, yes. There it's clear and long. Yes, I can. But in the affirmative, in this example, it's just like a little di. I can swim. Now, on the other hand, in the negative form, can't becomes longer and louder. That is the difference. So here we say, di da da, I can't swim. You see? And because of this difference, because of the length and the strength, so the loudness and the length of the second word, the listener perceives it as negative because of the way can is short here. The listener perceives it as affirmative. If I hear I can swim, for me, this is affirmative. If I hear I can't swim, for me, this is negative. And this is more important than the t on its own. The t on its own is not enough because sometimes it's just not audible. Let me give you an example. Tell him. I can tell him. I can tell him. I can tell him. You see? Where's the t? In both places. I can tell him. I can tell him. I can tell him. I can tell him. Now, 
don't worry because there is a video I have for you. If you want to hear more examples like these, I have a little video. I'm going to include the link later. I'm going to tell you where you can find it. So just hang on uh, before we get to that point, okay? But I'm just telling you now that I will give you examples that you can listen to. So, in summary, instead of worrying about the T, practice the rhythm and accustom your ears to the rhythm difference and also practice speaking like this because that will have two results. One, your ear will be more trained and your speaking will be more trained. That is, you will understand speakers easier and other people will understand you easier. So, I hope this helped you to clarify something that for a lot of students is not clear. And so, as I said, I have a video where I explain this with examples. If you want to watch the video in the program description below, you can find the link to createenglish.com slash podcast, createenglish with one E in the middle, just like the name of this program, and go there, search for today's episode, October 2023, and you will find all the links there to all the things that I mentioned in today's program, including this one. Great. You're listening to Create English on Ripollet Radio with Gabor Legradi. I'm the host of this program, and we talk about learning tips and ideas of how you can improve your English, no matter if you're learning on your own, or you go to a language school, or in any form. I'm giving you tips that you can build into your learning. Moving on. Now we will talk about uh, something that is another very common thing uh, among learners, and that's lack of confidence in speaking or shyness, right? And I'm going to tell you the story of a student, how she overcame a big obstacle that kept her from advancing and, and wanting to talk to, uh, you know, people in English, especially native speakers. This student is a successful brand manager. So when we started to work together and she started her training with me, her biggest problem was not wanting to go out and speak to people in English. Her English was quite good, uh, technically. Like, you know, I mean, she was able to speak about a range of topics and she understood me very well. And of course, she made some grammar mistakes and stuff, but that was not the biggest problem. The problem was that that she was missing business opportunities, you see? So she refused and she turned down invitations. Her colleagues invited her to have coffee because they had invited someone else who could have been a potential business partner later, but she never went because she was so shy and she didn't want, she was kind of like putting it off. Like, well, yeah, maybe later, maybe some other day. And every time she had an opportunity, because she did have opportunities, she, she did have invitations, she just never went. She is a manager, she wants to expand her business, but she didn't feel ready for English. So we clearly had to work on confidence building. And one day she says she has an invitation to a garden party, like a birthday party, and there would be a native English speaker at the party. And I said, wow, this is a great opportunity. You know, it's real life. It's real life conversation. And so I asked her, are you going? And she wasn't sure. She said, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't feel like ready. She said she still felt shy about speaking in English and, you know, in front of other people. So I told her, look, this is a great opportunity. This was towards the end of the training. 
And I told her, look, I think you're ready. You know, we've worked on vocabulary, pronunciation. We worked on different things. We've also worked on your confidence building. So this is the right moment to try it all out and see how it works. This is a perfect scenario because it's not business English. It's not the business meeting. And it's not the classroom either. Like, you know, the comfortable classroom environment where you feel comfortable. It's somewhere in between. It's socializing. Having a light chat with someone in English, you know, great opportunity. We said, okay, let's do some preparation. So we simulated some possible uh, situations, um, some ideas, talking about different topics for her to be better prepared and to have the skill set and the vocabulary to talk about, you know, books, cooking, traveling, and different just general things that we usually talk about when we're socializing. And then she went. She went to the party. I didn't know until the next lesson, of course, but she went. She did go. But guess what? We thought that she would be introduced to this English speaker at the party because the party was organized by my student's friend. And I think the English speaker is the partner of the friend. So long story short, we thought she would be introduced to this person. Okay. And it didn't happen that way. She arrived at the party and she started to, you know, to chat to people in Spanish, in her first language, serving some salad and stuff and waiting for her friend to come up to her and introduce her. But it never happened. Uh, the friend was very busy. She was the organizer of the party. So she was very busy. And then, uh, you know, just time was passing. She was like wondering what to do. And she had two options. She had to make a decision. She either keeps just chatting in Spanish and then just after some time she goes home and that's it. Or she does something and, you know, and somehow starts a conversation. Now, she chose the first option. So she decided to go home. But the funny thing is, as she was walking out of the door, she turned back and went directly walked up directly to the to this English speaking guest and started chatting and she started a conversation no more waiting no more idling around she went directly up to this person and started talking so she broke the ice this is what we call breaking the ice which is actually one of the most difficult things in conversations in socializing the first step breaking the ice and so she did it and in the following class she told me that She had fun in the conversation. She was improvising and she was using some of the things that we had prepared, but she was also, you know, playing it by ear and, and using her own resources. And this was so great to hear. I mean, it was a real win for her because as I've said, vocabulary and grammar were not her biggest, you know, challenges because her level of English was good enough for a conversation. But there was this roadblock of being afraid of speaking and going out and speak and and she did it she made it you see and then she gave me some feedback and she said uh, look I'm using her words she says uh, I've always thought that English conversation is an impossible thing for me impossible is a strong word so when we started the lessons she explained that she'd been long you know struggling with this like not finding a way to to break out of this and and to move on and she says well Now, with these lessons, I feel more confidence with my English. She says she gained confidence in English and uh, not, not like a native speaker, she says, but enough to express important things about job, lifestyle, opinions and life. Basically, things that we 
talk about when we socialize. So my tip for you here is if you also discover limitations in blocks, don't underestimate their importance. That means don't just wait like they're going to go away. You should look at those blocks and see what they are because learning vocabulary and expressions and grammar and all that alone are not enough for you to become a fluent speaker because you will need that confidence. And if something is in the way, then you should work on that and seek out help if you need. You know, find a teacher or find a language course or find resources, but do something about it. So all your efforts and energy that you put into learning vocabulary, grammar, as I said, and pronunciation and all that makes sense. So you can move on and progress in your learning. So what did you think of the story? Do you also struggle with speaking confidence? I hope the story helped you to see it in a different way, you know, and think about it in a different way and to take action and to do something. So you change it. Okay, let's continue with presentations. Do you like presentations? You know, it can be presentations like company presentations, but even school presentations in English. There's something that I'd like to show you today, which will make your presentations more effective and your audience will be happy. Well, what I'm going to explain is more about online presentations when you're sitting in front of a screen and a camera, but this can work for uh, in-person presentations as well. There's a funny thing, which is very simple, that I've seen a lot of people do. And that might be because we're in the class and they just forget about this. I don't know. But only to make sure you don't make the same mistake. But make sure that if you use and mention information in the presentation that for you is repeated a lot of times during the day. For example, your name, your title, or maybe the name of your company's products or services or any other job-related words, make sure that you say them in a clear way. What I often hear is that people say their own name, own title, the product names, the processes, in in an unclear way. They say them too fast. They just run through them. And you know what happens when you do that? First of all, me, the listener, and your audience watching your presentation... To me, those words might be the first time I hear them. It may be the first time I hear your name or your title. And it might be the first time I hear about your product name or the group of products or any other profession-related vocabulary that for you is like daily use. But for me, it might be the first time. And if you run through them quickly, if you don't pronounce them clearly, then it sounds like careless. You don't care. It's not important. Or maybe if you mentioned your product name and or the range of products in an unclear way, I know it's not done consciously. This is because we say them so many times in a day that we just say them fast. Because at the company, everybody understands that. You understand your colleagues, your colleagues understand you. But if it's a presentation, those should be clear. Because if a product or a service name is not clear, then the listener might just perceive, oh, maybe this is not such a good product or it's not such an important product. Like, why why not pronounce it clearly, you know? And these are subconscious perceptions. And as I said, I totally understand why this happens, right? But a presentation is a different scenario. And it doesn't matter if this is online or if it's in person, it's still the same thing. 
And you just can't leave it to the listener to figure it out. You need to respect their attention and energy. And you need to make sure you speak clearly, especially the things that belong to your business are part of your business. So here's my key tip for you today. Just because it's an online presentation and you're sharing screens and slides with text and visuals, your audience are still listeners in the first place. They are listeners, not viewers. They're looking at you, yes. They're reading the slide content and stuff, but they're still listening to another person, to you. So keep that in mind. You're talking to people, people to people. And it doesn't matter if this information is on the slide, you should still be clear when you're saying them. Your business and your audience deserve clarity. And it will determine how they see you. It contributes to your image and to the quality of your presentation. Okay, so I hope this part about presentations is also useful for you. And I really like teaching presentation techniques because, uh, you know, there's kind of like a sequence and there are very concrete things to work on. And it's also nice to see how people improve quite fast. So, I mean, there's lots of resources. You can look for materials on the internet and there's lots of advice and there's lots of, uh, you know, great, great uh, tips. But the point, as always, is practice. So you need to actually uh, prepare and practice when you have a presentation around the corner. Make sure that you don't just plan it on paper, but you also practice it and rehearse it um, to someone or just, you know, by yourself. But uh, it's important because, because you need to also check how how you can connect your ideas, how, what about the flow, you know, what about the flow of the presentation, if you missed anything, if there's issues with pronunciation, maybe, if you can get feedback from someone, from your teacher, that's obviously the, you know, the greatest uh, thing you can you can have, but if it's, uh, if it's just someone in the family or some, some friend, that's also very useful, or you can record yourself and listen back to it and, you know, just analyze and and see what what you like, what you don't like. And this works for school presentations as well. It doesn't have to be company presentations. Now, we have some time left before we wrap up. So I was thinking, there's, there's an, an eternal question, you know, about uh, native or non-native teachers. So which is better? And let's just make a little comparison. This is not comprehensive. But it's just going to, you know, look at a few things and a few points. But it might just trigger some ideas. And you might also wonder, like, is it better to have a native language teacher or just a teacher who is fluent and, you know, advanced, but is not a native speaker of the language that you're learning? So let's let's look at this comparative here. Um, first of all, a native language teacher... What about the experience, you know? Uh, what about the experience a native language teacher has in your language? So suppose you are a Spanish speaker and you're learning English and you want to, uh, well, you want to find a teacher. And so if you find a native English speaker teacher, uh, how much does that teacher know about your language? And is it necessary for you uh, that your teacher has some idea or a um, good idea about 
you know, your your language and its structure and and its vocabulary and the way your native language works. Uh, this is a this is a point to consider. So if you do care about it, then of course um, a teacher from your language might be a better choice at least at the beginning, because if it is important for you that the teacher understands the way your language works, so they can explain English um, the way they learned it, you know, because a native speaker never learned the language the way a non-native speaker does or did. So that's one difference. However, if experience is not that important, then uh, a native language teacher will will probably have a much wider vocabulary and they will also bring you a cultural input. So depending on where they're from, they can bring you that cultural you know, content that a non-native teacher would not be able to bring you in person. They could, you know, bring you materials, videos, books, whatever, but not being the person who brings you that cultural uh, content. So that's that's the difference. Um, also, talking about vocabulary, a native teacher will know a lot more colloquial expressions, uh, usually, than a non-native speaker. Um, and so, if you're interested in picking up, you know, lots of colloquial phrases, you can probably do it easier if you learn with a native language teacher. Now, what else? Uh, let's see, patience. I don't know. I mean, patience. Maybe a non-native teacher has a different kind of empathy, so they understand what it takes to learn English because they did it the same way, um, and so. You know, they might understand certain struggles and certain difficulties uh, better if they are from your own, um, you know, uh, native language country as well, or they speak your your mother language as well. Um, pronunciation. Well, this is an interesting point because um, you know English is spoken by so many people in the world, the native speakers from different parts of the world that have different accents. Even in one same country, there's lots of accents. So just because you study English with a native speaker, it doesn't mean you will be trained in pronunciation as much as you would like to. So the point is not how well your teacher speaks. It's not the ultimate point. That is very important, of course, but it's not the ultimate thing. The ultimate thing is how well your teacher can teach you to hear and listen and 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 reproduce those sounds, which is essentially what pronunciation is about. So if your teacher is able to guide you so you can produce those sounds and you can pronounce and learn to pronounce well, that's it. That's all you need. And it doesn't really matter if it's a native speaker or a non-native speaker. Um, actually, English is spoken by so many people in the world that... Uh, there are more non-native speakers who use English. So what you really want, in my opinion, is clarity. You want some neutral, clear English. If it's colored with accent, that's still okay, in my opinion, as long as your speaking is clear. So good pronunciation with accent is possible. It's totally valid. If it works, if people understand you, it's it works. That's all you need. So... 
Um, as for levels, probably, you know, lower levels, lower level learners benefit more from non-native speakers because, you know, they, they tend to want to understand things to be explained in a way that an, a native speaker might not be able to do if they don't speak your language. If they do, you know, that's that's a different thing. But uh, otherwise, you know, these these would be the points of comparison that, that I was thinking about adding in the remaining time. And we have to finish now because uh, we're nearing the end of the program. So thanks for listening. And today it was Create English October 2023 on Repoyet Radio. My name's Gabor. Thanks for listening. Remember, if you want the links, you can find the description in the you can find the links in the description below or go to createenglish.com slash podcast and you will find today's notes there. Create English, just like the name of the program with one E in the middle. Um, okay, so today we talked about uh, three things. We talked about how to improve speech rhythm for clarity, how a student overcame speaking shyness and how to give better presentations, paying attention to one thing that people sometimes forget about. Okay, thank you. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye now. Mm-hmm.